For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 103. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight? Uh, good. I'm sorry. I realized that you paused for a second there because you saw me stretching. I was really just kind of stretching my arms and I realized I was doing too much and it was a whole thing. It was a whole thing that I was trying not to get you to stutter and I got you to stutter anyways. I'm sorry. I, I thought you were going to get confused and do the SummerSlam. I was going to say, Mitch, that's not what this is for. This is the regular show. <laughs> no, no, I did not think that much. Uh, yeah. Sorry. So, <laughs> just stretching my arms a little. Oh, get those suckers up there. So if you don't know what the SummerSlam is or what we're talking about over on our Patreon page, so patreon.com slash eyes on aisles, you can check that out for five bucks a month. You get additional podcasts there. We are doing a ton of different stuff there over the summer. Uh, we just talked about and had our reaction to the top 20 centers list. So if you're interested in you know shorter topics that we can go more in depth on, because we do a lot in this one hour show, but if you want to really break down... Uh, one specific thing, that's kind of the platform we use it for. Perfect. Um, so uh, we like to give uh, episodes uh, a theme, or maybe not a theme, but uh, a name, I guess. Um, and what we do is, right now, because we're in 103, we're well over player numbers. We used to take, like, one uh, number three. Who wore number three for the Islanders? So Piper uh, gave us a suggestion to go through the draft. So from 03, I'm going to pick a player, and... Uh, I'm going to go with Bruno Gervais. I just said that in English. Bruno Gervais, taken in the sixth round by the Islanders, played okay. 418 games in the NHL. All right. That's not bad. So usually when we when we get to these things, we, we just kind of say, like, oh, Bruno Gervais, great, good pickup, and then we move on and we never come back to this. Uh, I want to come back to this before we get to our last topic and do uh, a look back on Bruno Gervais, and I'm going to ask you to guess three things about him. Okay. Uh, before we do that, I remember. Uh, forgive me because I don't remember if it was Piper or someone else on Twitter did say to make episode 103 the Barry Trotz edition because that's the amount of points the Islanders had this year. Cool, oh, that's a good one. Okay, uh, honorable mention, I guess, Bruner Gervais, but it is the Barry Trotz edition. All right, fine. <laughs> 
There we go. So I was sitting on that one for a few weeks, but I, I don't remember. I Forgive me for not remembering who sent it to us, but someone on Twitter did. Well, now you're going to have to find that out and, and shout out to them later. So shout out to whoever you are. All right, Mitch, ready to get right into it? Yes. I'm still going to get back to you on the Bruno Gervais thing. So like, get your Bruno Gervais trivia going. Okay, I'll try to f- access that part of my brain that probably doesn't exist. I'm still pronouncing it English. Bruno Gervais. Got to roll that R. Jeepers, creeps. What are you doing to me? I'm Americanizing you, I guess. Oh. <laughs> so the first thing that we're going to discuss this week is a comparable contract for Devontae's question mark. So Samuel Gerard got himself a pretty hefty extension. Seven years, $35 million AAV at $5 million per year. He is younger than Devontae's. He is just 21, I believe. Yep, just turned 21 in May. And he's played two years in the league. (laughs) The first year, he had 23 points in 73 games. That was between Nashville and Colorado. And then in 2018-2019, this past year in Colorado, he bumped that up to 27 games. Am I missing something here? Is Gerard worth $5 million a year? Um, so the, the whole thing, so if, if you're wondering why the Nashville-Colorado thing, he came over to the Matt Duchesne trade. Um, but clearly what Joe Sackick is doing here is saying, I like what this kid is giving me, and I'm going to reward him based off of not only current performance, but what I expect for him to in the future. He still has a year left on his ELC. Right. So Joe's saying, I'm going to sign you long-term now at a lower cap hit uh, and expect you to do better than that. I expect to be underpaying you in a couple of years, for a, for a few years. Okay, well, see, my rebuttal to that, and I know you're just playing devil's advocate for Joe, but here's my rebuttal. Yeah. Garth Snow, who we know is not a good general manager. <laughs> no. Got way better value for Adam Pellick and Scott Mayfield doing that when we were saying, okay, why are they signing them to five-year deals? And the cap hit was at one One point change for both of them, where this is a $5 million cap hit. So you're basically, after two seasons, after 150 games and 47 points, you're saying, I want this guy on my team guaranteed for the next eight years, and for seven of them, he's going to be making $5 million against the cap. Yeah. Yeah, he's buying UFA years. He's buying all kind. Of, he's all in on Samuel Girard. Like okay. he's all he, he wants everything to do with him because he expects him to be better. He he said essentially those words. Uh, but when you just looking at the contract, you can tell that that's what he wants to do. Oh sure, like he believes in this kid, and he believes so much in this kid, and he's saying I don't want to have to pay him more later, so I'm going to pay him a lot now, and hope or believe that he will. I will be underpaying him in two years' time risky it's certainly risky because this kid could tank um but he clearly sees something in there that isn't going to tank i suppose like i i I was all in on hating on joe when he he held on to matt duchene and then look what happened um so i'm i'm not ready to go against joe sakic right now because he has done a, a pretty good job so far okay uh, so just keep those numbers in mind for the full year, the 23 points in his first year and 27. So 
For Devontae's, he did not play a full season, but nope. I believe it was, what, 18 points? 18 points, yes. In 48 games. Correct. Which is a pace of 31? I think so. I think it's like 30.5. I think you're right. Let me do the quick math. 18 divided by 48 is... Uh, whoops, I did that wrong. 18 divided by 48, fat fingers. Yeah, uh, 0.375. That uh, doesn't make any sense. 18 divided by 48. Why is this... Times it by 82. <laughs> God, I'm stupid. Yes, 30.75. I don't know why. I do this like all the time to get pace numbers, and I couldn't do the formula. God, I'm stupid. Yes, 30.75. Round that up to 31. Doi, Jesus, Murphy. Why? So, <laughs> That's okay. Wild. Brain fart. That's all right. It happens. All the time. So let's just say that Devontae's has a slight incremental increase and puts up, let's say... A little bit more than his pace, but not like crazy. Let's say thirty-five points okay. this year, which is pretty. It's pretty solid. Yeah, but we. I think we both have said in the past episodes that we expect him to be around the forty-point defenseman and can yep. make that jump pretty early. But let's say thirty-five, just to be conservative. Is he going to get seven million dollars a year? <laughs> like, what's going to no. happen? No. I don't think that Devin Tays, I think this is the perfect prototype for Devin Tays, prototype, perfect example. This is what Devin Tays is going to get when he when he breaks out, or not breaks out, when he gets free of that bridge deal of $700,000 a year, he'll get a $5 million deal for X number of years. So he's 24 now, so let's say six years at most, you're taking him up to the full, my God, I can't talk, taking him up till 30, that's fair, maybe less. But I, I can see him getting a five million dollar AAV for sure. We'll be playing Why not? At, yeah, I could probably see five. He's playing at twenty five years old next year, so you'd be signing him for his twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, right. twenty nine, thirty, thirty one. If you go the seven year, then his thirty, age thirty two season, which isn't terrible. Um, I think you're probably looking at lowest four and a half absolute lowest but maybe it can get to five and a half that would be my one million dollar range four and a half to five and a half uh, it obviously depends on what he does this year but based off of like like you uh put forward um how he could grow into his career i can see him being a five million dollar player easily no problems uh, obviously if he does even better he has a, a better year um there's there's no questions asked uh that he can get maybe more Right, like if he puts up a 50-point season, then you start to think, okay, well, now he's going to yield $6 million maybe. Does he get the $8 million that Truba got? No, of course not. But I, The thing that takes him back is that he made his NHL debut a lot later than these other guys did at, only, at 24 years old. So he's not going to get the same treatment of like three years on an ELC and then three years of proving what you're worth, it's it's only going to be two years or really a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. Let me wrap off some numbers for you just to, sure. to hammer the the point home that, that Taze is, can, can get what Gerard does. So sure. again, well, you, you brought up the production, but let's, let's dig a little deeper. Um, time on ice, Gerard beat him with a flat 17 average per game to Devin Taze's 15 point or 15 and a half. But in terms of Corsi 4, Fenwick 4, goals 4, expected goals 4, shots are scoring chances 4, and high danger chances 4, Devin Taves beats Samuel Girard hands down. And this is all 
um, per 60. Okay. This isn't based off their ice time or just just in general. This is per 60. So assuming they play like the same amount of time, Devin Taves controls the puck going forward, gets more shots towards net in terms of just missing and on net, creates more um, goals for, is expected to create more goals for, gets more scoring chances and more high danger chances than Samuel Girard. He is a better player in, in, in every way. In every way. And I agree same, with you. The reason we bring up the idea that they're, they're the same type of player, or sorry, that that they can get the same monies, not only are they uh, are they producing relatively at the same rate, but they're the same type of player. They're puck moving guys with speed who do dwell on the power play. That's per, that that's the exact type of player they are. And Devin Tays is better than than Samuel Girard. Now can Girard get better? Sure, but as it stands now, Girard has shown this, and Devin Tays is already above that. He's performing at where Joe Sackick expects Samuel Girard to be. Right, so that $5 million is more closer to what Taze has showed us where Girard, that's what Sackick is hoping he becomes. Exactly. Um, okay. Probably a higher production rate, but that's just, you know, you have a better power play and that, right, that right, helps. Because, right. again, Devin Taze plays on the first power play unit. Uh, so he's going to definitely get more... Uh, more assists, more points. Like, what did he get on the power play last year? I already forget. Devin Tave's stats. Let's just bring that up on Hockey Reference here. Uh, he had three power play assists and one power play goal. He had four of his 18 points on the power play. That's going to go up next year. Yeah. It will. I, it definitely will. Their power play should be a lot better, and that's going to help him because he's going to look to cash in. Barzal's going to look to cash in. Mm. And Pulak's going to look to cash in, and all three of those guys are important pieces on that power play. That's true. Um, so, but on Taves, because that's what we're talking about, he's a $5 billion player, maybe more. But as it stands today, and where his career is just trending, I would expect him to get a $5 million deal. Yeah, I would think so too. Like, I don't, I don't even think it sounds, it shouldn't sound outlandish to anyone that he could be a $5 million player. Just because no. he's making seven hundred thousand dollars now doesn't mean he can't make five million later. The seven hundred thousand dollars is an underpay, hard. Yeah, no, it absolutely is by a lot. So, I mean, he showed that he has top four potential. This year, we'll be able to see if how he does in the top four because yeah. we're assuming he's going to be on the second pair. I would say so. And we'll go from there. Obviously, we'll be able to tell by this time next year. But as it stands now. While doing comparisons and projections, it, it looks like the Gerard contract is probably a pretty good chance. What what are you going to be looking at? Maybe it's not seven years. Maybe it's six years. But yeah, I do think that the five million AAV is got, probably going to be pretty close to what we're looking at next year. Yeah, I would be surprised if he size signs for anything more than six. Like if he gets the full eight, I would be surprised. Uh, although who knows, right? Like Lou likes to keep his core intact, and he's definitely a piece of the core. The next set, you know, the next core, yes. the current core is really the Eberle, Lee, Barzal, and, and Nelson, and then like the next core is going to be uh, again Barzal, Pulak, Taves, Wallstrom, someone else, Dobson, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point. Dobson's going to be coming soon too. Yeah, we'll see if that's soon, like next year, or soon a little bit after that. Right, but as for the Gerard contract from what we saw this week, 
Probably going to be seeing something pretty similar next year when it's Devontae's turn. So take note of that. And I, what I want to do, too, is watch both of their seasons this year. Like compare okay. them. Because I think that would be a, a good idea to see, you know, how one guy is playing versus the other and if Taze continues to project higher. True. And if that gambit from from Joe Sackick was worth it. Exactly. So, I like that topic. That was a good article to do, Mitch. Thanks. All right. So we will move right along now and we will get into... We were just talking about GMs. We just mentioned his name, Garth Snow. So we're going to talk a little Garth. And I know you're probably going to say, hold on a second. I thought we were free of that, man. <laughs> Lou Lamarillo now. Why are we talking about Garth Snow? Well, the Minnesota Wild fired their general manager. Paul Fenton was out after one year, 15 months. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, well, he did a terrible job. He did not do a good job. I'm not arguing with that. <laughs> so the Minnesota Wild are allegedly looking for a general manager with experience. And one of the names or one of the people that fit that description is Garth Snow. Would they be crazy enough to do it? Uh, Obviously, yes, they would. Um, He does have experience. He's got 12 years of experience running a team. Um, so we're obviously trying to, to glow him up, right? To, to talk him into this position and, and talk about his strength and not about his weaknesses. Um, he, he does have strength. Like his drafting isn't terrible, right? Like this, the 2008 draft that he did was pretty good. But Josh Bailey, uh, Travis Hamannick, uh, who else? Matt Martin, Jared Spurgeon. Jared Spurgeon was a six round pick that he took. That's ridiculous. And then his 2009 draft was even better. Tavares. Dahan, Koskinen, Nielsen, Sezikis, Klemetiev. Well, that didn't work out really, but whatever. You get one dud, I guess. And then Anders Lee. That's an incredible draft. All right. He has had some good ones, some misses along the way, too, uh, and big spots, which kind of ended up being his undoing. But he was mediocre at his job for 12 years, but which... That means you're going to have some good qualities. You're going to have some bad qualities. And he did have some pretty deep draft classes, as we saw, especially early on. And then in 2015. Yeah. Like, he had a lot of good drafts. So, like, you bring up the 2015 one where he didn't even have a first-round pick because of the Buffalo Sabres. And um, uh, Thomas Vanek was blanking on his name. But you get Barzal, Beauvillier, one and two. Mitch Sylvanisample, Parker Wertherspoon, those pretty good defensemen. Uh, all the way through uh, rounds one through four. And then you got Ryan Pilon and Don Zong and Peter Hansen. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> you can't win them all. Uh, no. But you, you add Bellows, Golishev, Koivula in the next draft. Nick Pastajov is doing pretty well in the NCAA. Uh, Arnaud Durandeau in 2017 with Sebastian Ajo, who looks like he could be playing in the NHL right now. That was a fifth and sixth round pick in 2017. So, like, it... it there's there's a strength there that if Minnesota's looking to get back and maybe scale things down and, and build through the draft again, he's definitely a guy that can do it. Now, in, in trades, unless Peter Shirelli gets a job, he ain't that great at trades. That's another thing. He can fleece Shirelli, but I don't know how confident I am in other trades. See, like uh, Brandon Davidson and then just about any other trade deadline. <laughs> yeah um sure all right the, you're right <laughs> he's got that uh, but other than that what else because he, he's not great at signing free agents but minnesota has 
more uh, of an attraction than, than the Islanders do, unfortunately. They're, they're just, it's the state of hockey, whatever they, they call it that anyways. Um, but there are a lot of players from Minnesota that play in, a, in the NHL. Um, so they like to go there. They do. Yeah, it's a hockey, It's definitely a hockey town. We know that for sure. Easily. So nice cottage country comes summertime as well. So it, it's not a terrible place to play. Uh, so he might have more success trying to bring in free agents. Uh, we know that the owner... Leopold has money, so that might help uh, Gar Snow in the spending department. But when it comes to everything else, like building an infrastructure or finding coaches, he ain't that great. No, uh, he he is, and he's stuck with Jack Capuano for way too long. We know that. And Doug Waite was... Doug Waite. I mean, he's not an <laughs> NHL head coach. He's probably just a, an offensive guy. Yeah, exactly. He's an offensive coach. He's not. He, he doesn't know anything about defense. It seems, uh, not that I do, but like you know, I'm not talking about me. Uh, so c- could Gar Snow get the job? P- probably, but I would imagine. I bet they go with uh, Ron Hextall. I really do. I, I think I would go Dean Lombardi. Why do you say Dean Lombardi? I have my reasons for Hextall, but why do you say Lombardi? Well, they want to go with someone who has experience. Yeah. He was the Kings general manager from 2006 to 2017. Yep. He has two Stanley Cup rings to his name. That's correct. Um, And I think I, I know that at this point that that's five years ago and seven years ago that that happened. But uh, at the end of the day here, they in the NHL seem to hold the Stanley Cup with a lot of weight. I mean, Tom Kunakel like got a job here because he has two Stanley Cup rings. Dean Lombardi can get the job because he has two Stanley Cup rings. Sure, but I think Minnesota looks at this a little bit with a little bit. How do I say this? They look at this with without the the, the Stanley Cup tinted glasses, and they go, "Yes, you won those cups, but you also paid your guys like a ridiculous amount of money because you won those cups." Like Dustin Brown is still on a million dollar. Like, how many millions is he getting paid? Five point six or something like that. Uh, I got to bring that up now. Cap friendly, Dustin Brown. Uh, I don't remember his cap hit, but I know it's not great. Dustin Brown is on five point eight seven five million dollars for the next three years. He is currently thirty four years old. Put up 51 points this past year, though. It's true. That was a good year for him, right? He had those four years, 27, 27, 28, 36 on that deal as well. Like He's finally getting better for some reason. I don't know what happened in those four years, but he ain't. He wasn't that great. Oh, yeah. sorry. There was even a year before that, 29 points. Like, you had a five. That's really weird. How do you go from like 60s and 50s every year to five years in a row of... 36 and under and then back up to 61 and 51 at age 33 and 34. Something must have been bugging him. Something must have been bugging him. But that means he can definitely regress back to that at any point. The point being, he's still getting paid $5.875 million. During those five years, he was being paid $5.875 million. Maybe not all of those years, but at least a few of those. Um, He wasn't worth the money and he rewarded him because he won those cups. He was the captain. is Minnesota in that position to go, we want a guy who's going to re- reward our guys for performances to really long-term deals when it doesn't necessarily make any sense? Like, loyalty is something to, to uh, betroth, but you don't want to throw your cap down the sink just because you have loyalty. you got to make smart decisions. Um, right. and, 
And that's when I kind of go with Ron Hextall. Not to say that he's the smartest GM, but he had a specific job when he came into Philadelphia, and that was to get rid of a lot of old contracts, or sorry, contracts for older players who weren't necessarily worth it, and, and bring in and usher in the, the, the next generation. And he did that. Um, he only waited, he waited too long for uh, Carter Hart. That, that was really his downfall. But he brought in a blue line that makes sense with Ivan Provorov, Shane Goss's Beher. He got rid of a lot of contracts like R.J. Umberger, if you remember that. Um, oh, there's another guy. There's a few other like old aging contracts. There's super bloated cap, and he reduced that. And that's exactly what Minnesota is going through right now. Their cap is a little bit too high, and they got a lot of old guys on that on that team. And so I think they bring him in and make room for they make him do that. Like that's his first. Like they got Matt Zuccarella for five years. Uh, I know they just did it, but like five years at six million dollars. WTF? What are you doing? Uh fair point. Because he's what thirty two. He'll he's gonna turn thirty two. Turns thirty two in September. Mm-hmm. And they sign him for five years. He's a great guy. I'm sure he's a he's a great individual. Uh, he's played well at the NHL, right? He scored 53 points two years ago, but he scored 40 last year. That's a warning sign, I would say. But he only played 48 games. True. That's true. All right. Fair enough. I didn't see that. I don't love... I think the cap hit is maybe a t- touch high, but I wouldn't have gone that far in years. But semantics game at this point. True. So at the end of the day, if you had to, your betting man, if you had to place a bet, is Garth Snow your bet for this job? Not at all. You're going Hextall. Still? I, I've. I'm not going to guarantee it, but I, I would put money on Hextall. Yes. Okay, I'm still leaning Lombardi, but you made a pretty good case for Hextall. Yeah, Lombardi isn't a terrible call, right? Because again, he does have those two cups, and that's what everyone wants. But like in terms of candidates, I think those are the two best ones. Fingers crossed, it's Chiarelli. Man, I would prefer yeah. Chiarelli even over Garth Snow because like that that guy doesn't know what the heck he's doing. So you know we could probably get Jason Zucker for uh, a second round pick, maybe less. <laughs> Michael Del Cole for Jason Zucker. <laughs> no, end on song. Here you go. He hasn't played much. There you go, buddy. Just take his rights. He's a great <laughs> defenseman. Song. Great, uh, it's great. You know, you got a Chinese player there. You know, maybe you you get your your ties to China, huh? Uh, money. Surely would be all over that. Maybe, probably not. So, moving right along, now we are going to get into a hot topic on social media from the last couple of weeks. A little intersport comparisons. Yes. So, both. The Islanders and the Yankees play in the same town in New York, obviously. What? And they, I know. And they have two guys who recently drawn comparisons to each other. One is friend of the show, Josh Hosang. Other is Yankees prospect, Clint Frazier. So at this point, we pretty much know the Josh Hosang story. Yeah. Right? So he was late to training camp, ran the step, sent back to juniors, Came over, produced a little bit in his first year, got blamed for his defense the second year, got sent down, uh, had some comments when he was in the AHL. But Clint Frazier, he has a lot of similarities, Mitch. Yeah, well, you sent me all the stats. so <laughs> I didn't know who Clint Frazier was. because This was brought up to me a while ago, like a few weeks ago. 
someone got got at me on Twitter saying is Joshua saying or is Clint Frazier the Joshua saying of the Yankees? And I had no idea who Clint Frazier was. Uh, and so you educated me today or over the last couple of days on, on who Clint Frazier is. And I, the comparable is very apt. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. So age-wise, Hosang's 23 is going to turn 24 in January. Clint's 24 right now. He'll be 25 in September in about a month. So age-wise, they're pretty similar, pretty close in age. Uh, both are undoubtedly pretty good offensive players. Uh, we know that Josh Hosang has uh, 31 points in 50 games last year in the AHL. He had very good wowie numbers in the NHL last year. Of course, he threw the roof. Uh, he, and he's flashed top six potential in his limited sample size. Yeah, well, easily. He, he's easily a top six player or should be at a top six player at the NHL. You know, surround him with some finishers and th- th- watch, watch this kid put up some numbers. Um, so... It, yeah, offensive talent, not so much defensive talent. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a second. For uh, Frazier, he too. So in 50 games this year, his slash line is 283, 330, and 513 with 11 home runs and 34 RBIs with an 843 OPS. So over the course of a full season, that's a pace of 33 home runs and 104 RBIs. That's good, that, right? That's very good. Okay. That's very Just good. Just like Christian Yelich already has like 37, so. Well, he's the best player in baseball. But like uh, <laughs> 33 home runs and 104 RBIs, that's a very nice season. And over the course of his career, Frazier's 162-game average is 262 with an on-base percentage of 314, a 474 slugging percentage for 23 home runs and 79 RBIs. So that's a maybe like a f- number five batter in, in your order, somewhere in that. It could be you know, in the middle of the order. So yeah, pretty solid offensive guy. Yeah. So there you go. That that comparison right there, young, solid offensively. But then when it gets to defense, that's where the the comparison goes it, even it further. Goes further. Yeah, we're not even close to done. The comparisons keep going. So for Hosang, as we know, uh, doesn't uh, skate in straight lines. That's one big thing. <laughs> Whatever that, the hell that means. Jesus uh, Christ. We know he was blamed for the entire Islanders defensive problems in 2017-2018, so you got to include that one. Uh, and the turnover issues is another big thing with Josh saying. So those obviously point to not being great defensively or in your own zone. I was trying to find a turnover joke, and I couldn't think of one. He's a baker because okay. he makes turnovers. Is that a thing? Uh, that's a little weak. Keep thinking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and Frazier, he might be the worst defensive baseball player I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> so I sent you a link, and I included it in the post on Eyes on Isles. So against the Red Sox in one inning, he completely melted down in the outfield. Like I didn't watch this video and, yet. I was waiting for this moment to watch it. Are you going to watch it live? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we'll get, squeaks right by him. So the first one, yeah, he just... A ball he doesn't in the get it. <laughs> This is wild. Yeah, he dives for a ball and misses it right after that. And then I think there's a throw that's going to be coming up for you in a second, too. So here's the right to him. He dives. He missed it. Okay. I haven't seen the the, the missed throw yet. It's way up the first baseline. Oh, man, that was bad. <laughs> Throwing to home was awful. 
So very, <laughs> very good offensively. Not great in the outfields. Could potentially get better, but right now, uh, this year, he has a negative six DRS. So that's a little advanced stat for you, Mitch. That stands for defensive runs saved. So you would want a positive number because that means you are saving runs. Right. He is allowed six. And this is like above average kind of thing? Well, like zero is like okay, not positive, not negative, even. Yeah. Minus six, pretty bad. That's pretty bad. <laughs> Oof. Uh, we also get into that both haven't really gotten a full chance at the pro level. Uh, ironically enough, they both have only played three years. So Hosang, 21 games, 22 games, and 10 games over a three-year span. Frazier, 39, 15, and 53. So, okay, so we know that they're not, they're, they're great offensively. They're not great defensively. And there's even another level to this where the comparison just keeps going. Where it's the same amount of time, too, the three years and Sharp, only a handful yes. of games. They're the same amount of time in the majors, but there's also one more factor that, that binds them in the darkness the attitude issues. I like so, how you use the air quotes there. Right. Uh, it, it's tough. It's tough. So we know pretty much everyone knows Ho Sangs. We went over in the beginning a little bit. There is rhetoric against him when he was coming out in 2014. Uh, he was late to training camp. Some complaints about being on the fourth line in the AHL. As for Clint Frazier, if you're not a Yankees fan or don't know much about him, he also has some immature claims. Uh, there was a rumor which was debunked, but it still kind of talks kinda to, stuck a bit. Yeah, that he asked for Mickey Mantle's number, which is retired. So that would essentially be if like Hosang was like, I want to wear number 22. Yeah. Uh, he didn't want to cut his hair, which actually this could be relatable because Lou Lamarillo has the same rules. So That's you have right. to be, um, you know, short hair and clean shaven. He didn't want to do that. Uh, and he wasn't great with the media after bad performances. And there were times where he didn't want to go back to the minors and kind of, I don't know. It's just similar paths where it's like they have potential at this point. They're not really considered top prospects in either of their team system because they're both older and like kind of professionals but not quite yet either. They're kind of stuck in no man's land where it should be on a professional roster but what kind of player are they going to be? Is it going to work out in New York? So a lot of question marks there. But pretty good comparison. You're very apt. So like on every level, right? Like uh, offense, defense, um, their attitude, their their career path, their, their career traje- trajectory has all gone in the same thing. They're very, very similar players in every regard. Um, I, re- I really hope that Joshua Sank can get it together because I love his offense. I want to see his offense in the NHL. Oh, man, I, I, I get that he's got some defensive issues, but I think he can work through them. I really do. Same thing with, with Clint Frazier. Like, he can work on some of these things. Like, his throwing, I'm sure he's he's not a bad fielder. He can't be that bad in the outfield where at every level that he's ever been at, people are willing to overlook it. He's gotten to the point where he can play for the majors, and they're like, ah, you know, we'll overlook his fielding. Why? No. It can't be. No, yeah, he... I don't think he's that bad defensively. Like, obviously, the negative six is really rough, but I think he could become maybe a slightly below average defender, but you kind of stick with it because of how good he is offensively, kind of like what 
Hosang is. Um, but I, I mean, I think, and another thing too is both fan bases you either love him or you hate him. There's not really yeah. in between there. Um, but as for Hosang to bring this back to the Islanders, as of the roster currently sits right now, they really need help in the top six, especially on that second line. And you'd think that Hosang was probably the best fit of all the young kids because he has the experience, which we know Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo love, and he's a righty and can play on the right side. Yeah, he fits exactly what they're looking for. Uh, so, but I'll, I'll be not surprised if he makes the team, but. I, I'm just not sure that a spot is is obviously not guaranteed for him, but I'm I'm really not sure what they would do if he, if he just send him back to the AHL. At that point, I think he asks for a trade. I think he's like enough is enough. Like I'm not an AHL player. We all know I'm not. You're you're impeding my career. I need to go somewhere else. I think I think he might just ask for a trade if he goes back to the AHL next year. It'd be tough to see him there again, right? Doesn't he strike you like the type of player who would? And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Like, look at Jonathan Drouin. He he did it well ahead of of, um, of Joshua Sang. He was only 21 when he did it, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, obviously he's a better player uh, or could be a better player. Um, but same type of player, playmaker, wouldn't conform to what they were saying, or not conform, but wasn't willing to play the role that Tampa wanted him to be playing in, uh, and he wanted to actually play in the NHL, and they were preventing him from doing that. So he said, well, up yours. I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And he eventually got that move to Montreal. He did, and it ended up working out so... I don't know if it ever works out here for Hosang. I want it to. I'm a fan of his. I like his potential. I like what he does on the ice offensively, and I think it could be a big help to the Islanders, who, as we know, weren't that great offensively last year. It's just, does he get that chance or not? Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Unfortunately, going to have to wait and see. That's kind of the theme of this episode, wait and see. <laughs> yeah. But that's August hockey for you, right? That's right. Um, I realized that we, we went into our third topic and I did not get to ask you those three Bruner Gervais questions. Yeah, we'll do it right now before we get into social. Awesome. Okay, before we get to the social segment, our uh, 103rd podcast is for Barry Trotz, but I picked out Bruner Gervais as our pick from the twenty uh, the 2003 draft. So I'm going to ask you, Matt, three questions about Bruner Gervais and uh, hopefully you get them right. Okay. Uh, if you win, you get nothing but my, I don't know, undying love. There you go. How about Perfect. that? Perfect. Okay. Sounds good to me. How many teams did Bruno Gervais play for in the NHL? Is it multiple choice or am I just supposed to come up with this? On okay, my own? I'll give you multiple choice. Is it three? Is it four? Or is it five? I'll go four. I'll split the difference. It is three. He played for the Isles, the Lightning, and the Flyers. A full 37 games for the Flyers in 2012-2013. Okay. So, sorry. Um, okay. How many points did he score in his NHL career? He's he. So I'll, I'll give you an over-under there. Uh, he played 418 games. So over-under 90 points. 418 games. He's a defenseman, by the way. Um, 6'1", 200 pounds. When he was drafted in 2003, he scored 50 points in 72 games for his junior team. I'm taking the under. Okay, you're right. 
87 points in 418 games. His best year, his most productive year in the NHL was with the Islanders in 08-09. In 69 games, he scored 19 points. Okay. So last thing, um, I don't know how I'm going to do the multiple choice. I didn't think this through too well. Um, yeah, here I go. He played uh, his draft team, or the team that he was drafted from, was in the QMJHL. Did he play for the Acadie Bathurst Titans, the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, or the Erie Otters? I'm going to go with the Titans. You're correct. Two or three, I'll take it. Two or three ain't bad, I heard from Meatloaf. Sign me up. (laughs) Let's go. Okay. So right. that's our ode to Bruno Gervais. I just, I feel bad whenever we say like, this episode is going to be for Franz Nielsen. And then we just like dust our hands and we're done with it. Yeah, I like that. We could bring it back before the social segment each time. There we go. Perfect. Trivia game. Trivia game on whoever we pick for that game, for that <laughs> podcast. Excellent. And then you at home can play along. If you got three, good for you. And I'll, I'll make my guesses a little bit better last time, next time. Because I think you're able to tell which one was the right answer or not. I mean, maybe I might just be good on my uh, my trivia. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Okay. Uh, so let's get into the social segment, Mitch. What do you got for us so far? Uh, so I have two things. Um, first is it was tweeted today by NHL.com. It's never too late for Jordan Eberle, and he's like doing extra reps of uh, stick handling through like a, a, a plethora of pucks, and then taking shots on a goalie. And he looks uh, he looks ready, and I am all in for it. It's absolutely amazing to see him work and work hard. I can't wait for training camp. I just can't wait. I'm so ready. Okay. You seem pretty hyped up about some Everlay. And it's nothing much. It's just him. Like, he's not even doing the Alexei Kovalev thing where he's, like, dipsy-daddling around, like, a billion pucks in, like, godly fashion. He's just noodling around a few pucks. Like, there's a ton going flying all over the place. He's not really paying that much attention. Uh, but it's just nice to see him do some drills. It just uh, gets, gets the juices going. Gets the people going. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I got one for you. Okay. So back when the Red Sox and Yankees were playing uh, late last week or early this week, whenever it was, it was August 4th, so a few days ago, uh, we have a man in an Islanders jersey. Nice. In a Barzal jersey, in a dance-off with one of the Red Sox guys, and they're doing like the little, like the hold your nose and like, Go down with the hand like <laughs> like you're swimming. I don't know what do you call it? Like you're swimming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you're jumping in the pool. Uh, but it's pretty good. I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was Brock Holt was the player. Sure, I'm pretty know sure that is. He's on the Red Sox. But Great. I'm almost. I'm almost positive that's who uh, was in the video. Uh, so yeah, but it was just uh, funny, lighthearted August stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. Like it's nice to see Islanders fans out there repping the Isles jersey at a Red Sox game. Were they playing the, the the Mets at least? There's just some random. No, person. Yankees, no Yankees Red Sox. Apparently, this guy wears. Okay. Um, that makes sense then. I guess he's he's Yankees, the Islanders. There's there's a connection there at least. I think it's just what he um, what he wears to every game. Strange, still jersey foul. But you know what? If you're that person, good on you for repping the Islanders wherever you go. There you go. You got another one. One last one. Uh, this again came up today. Uh, tomorrow will be the vote to uh, to begin work on the. Uh, sorry, it's the vote for the final approval on Belmont tomorrow. I wanted to say it in a more dramatic fashion. I just stumble on my words, so I just said it the simple way. That's okay. Uh, that's exciting. 
Yes. So if the vote goes well, and I imagine it will, uh, shovels can get in the ground as early as this month. Wow. Okay, that's pretty big. That's on, pretty big. On Belmont. Let's effing go. I understand all the like the, the, the protests from the, the, the Belmont citizens. I, I, I get it. It's your community. You have a vetted interest, and, and maybe a sports venue isn't for you. So to all the people like criticizing the protests... Don't like if it was your community, you'd probably be upset too, uh, especially if it's not your team, right? If they built a Met, a new Mets ballpark and you're a Yankees fan, you'd probably be like, they already got one. Why do they need another one? Uh, I, I get it. That's just, you know, they have their voice. They're going to be outvoted already. It's just, it's going through. It's going to happen. Um, just let them air their grievances because they need to let their representatives know how they feel and they have a right to do so. Yes. That's what America's all about, I guess, right? <laughs> I guess. I don't live there. I, as soon as that left my mouth, I was like, why am I asking the Canadian? But yes, that's what, yes, that's that's what, what Canada stands for, at least. I don't know about you Americans, what you stand for. <laughs> um, so I have two more. Oh, okay. One is Robin Leonard, another friend of the show. Miss you, Robin. Um, so the Hockey News had an article yeah. that came out. Uh, so it's it's talking about Leonard's story. So we know he struggled with mental health, addiction, a whole lot. And he told his story and it was behind a paywall. So Robin Jesus Leonard replies mercy. to this and goes, should not be a gated article. This was August 2nd. Two days later, it took 48 hours, but the hockey news made it open. Just what were they thinking when they put that behind a paywall? Rough look for the hockey news. Yeah, of course. Like, first off, I didn't realize the hockey news was doing gated articles now. I guess that's all the rage since the Athletic did it. Now everyone's going to get in on it. Uh, although I guess the hockey news always did that because it was a magazine. You had to pay for the magazine. So I guess they were, they were the OG paywall uh, for hockey information. Yeah, for magazines, you're right. Um, but like... The whole point of this, of Robin Leonard speaking his truth and letting everyone in on on what he's been dealing with and what he's been battling with is so that he can have a platform to talk about these things, to let them get out in the open so they can help as many people as possible. And when you put it behind a paywall, you impede that very progress from happening, that very message from getting out for no reason than capitalism, than greed. Um, and that's not right. That's not right at all. You, you interviewed Robin Leonard. You knew what you were going to get. You knew you obviously you were asking questions about that specifically, and you put it behind a paywall. Bad, bad look. That like no one at the hockey news thought that that was going to be a bad idea. Like how many people did that go through? I'm sure someone was like, guys, that's not a good idea. And the powers that be just said, screw you, guy with a good voice and reasoning. Like it's just really bad look for the hockey news, who unfortunately been trending downwards for years now. Yeah, I mean, it's sad, but sometimes it's understandable why it happens when things like this, situations like this come up. It's like they're so tone deaf and out of the current times where it's kind of easy to see why it's trending downwards. Exactly. It's unfortunate. Like, it's an institution, um, but it's just not trending in the right direction. Um, No. Hopefully they shape it up and then they, they, they change some things around, but, like, that was not a good look. Bad on them. No. I have one more for you, Mitch. This is a fun one. Okay. So you go on Twitter, right? I, I know you're yes. You're older, so I don't know. Have you have you seen the meme with like and it's like 
which lunch table are you sitting at and it gives you like three options for each thing? Yeah, I don't really get the three options. I don't I don't think it really matters. It's just trying to segregate as many people per table to make it anyways. Yes, I've seen that. Okay, so there's an Islander one. So yes. do you want me to go through and we'll decide which table we're sitting Please at? Please do. Okay. So table one yeah. is Lamarillo, Trotz, and Ledecky. Okay. Table two, this is a interesting one. Barzal, Eberly, Beauvillier. Nice. Table three, Bailey, Lee, Nelson. Table four is Martin, Sezikis, and Clutterbuck. Five is Grice, Korn, Varlamov. So a little goalie coach and goalie love there. Uh, table six, we have the righty defenseman, Pulak, Mayfield, Boychuk. Seven is the lefties, Taze, Pelik, Letty. Eight is Dal Cole, Johnston, and Hickey. So potential scratch table, I guess. <laughs> Nine is Komarov, Kunako, Lad. And then 10 is Brendan, Butchie, and Shannon. Oh, wow. Which table would you sit at? Man, I, I, I've got three in mind right now. And okay. So it's going to be a debate between the three. So I like table four. So that's Martin, Sezikis, Clutterbuck, right? I'm with you. That table seems like a lot of fun. It seems like a lot of fun. They seem like characters. But I just, if I was a hockey player, uh, I, I would probably fit in that mold. Not as a fighter. I wouldn't fit as a fighter. But I see myself as more of a hustle kind of guy. Uh, I, I probably wouldn't score a lot of points. But I would play hard. And that's I would try to get by on just my work rate. So I, I'd like to fit in there and see what what, what they what they talk about and what what I could like I don't know so I, I think that'd be a fun table. Uh, okay. Then there's five. I play goal for um, in a floorball uh, league or I did a while ago until I didn't have time anymore. Uh, and I just learning how to do certain things from a goalie's perspective always interests me. So how goalies just play the angles better. Uh, what what do they do to, to know where the shot is going to go or when the shot is going to go? You know, try to be proactive on the shooter. I would love to be at the table for that. Maybe they don't want to talk to me about that, but that's where I would want to be. Okay. Uh, and then to the last table, table 10, as the broadcasters, I'd be all in on that. Just for like, take me through the motion of a day and, and please let me follow you around so I can learn as much as possible. Yeah, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit. I was between two, table four and table 10. So. Nice. Martin Sezikis Clutterbuck, not necessarily because I think I would fit in well there as a hockey player. I'm just not good. Like I'm not. I'm not physical. I've. I'm tall and skinny, so I don't think I could really be a good fourth liner. Um, I guess I'm more of like a Brock Nelson. Have some size. Block a lot of shots probably if you lay down on your side and just spread those arms lay out. Down. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but they just seem like fun. Like I feel like we'd be throwing our food at the Komarov Kunako lad table. <laughs> I'd be leading the charge, so I'm with that. And then I am a very much broadcasting nerd, uh, working in radio, and just, I don't know, I, I love talking about the industry, so just that conversation at the Brendan Butch and Shannon table, plus, you never know what's going to come out of Butch's mouth, so that's going to be electrifying content. Just start talking about cauliflower. Guy hates cauliflower. He hates it. Yeah. I mean, me too. We'll bond on that. There you go. There's a bonding. What's wrong with cauliflower? I just don't like it. A little bit of oil on, on some cauliflower in the oven at 300 for like 10, 15 minutes, I think it is. And oh, cauliflower popcorn. All the, the natural salts come out of the cauliflower. And then you got the oil. Absolutely delicious. All right. Uh, maybe I'll take your word up on it. it. Maybe get a better recipe than what comes out of my mouth because like this guy ain't, ain't good for cooking. That's all right. I did, I did a little chef... Chefing myself tonight. Oh, did you? 
Yeah, not anything too crazy. I did uh, some burgers on the grill. Nice. Uh, asparagus on the grill, and then I got some uh, rice going on the stove. Very nice. Uh, did you pre-soak the rice? Pre-soak the rice? Yeah, my wife has been soaking the rice, and I'm sure this is an, an age-old thing that people everywhere do, but it's just something we started doing. Uh, that You, a, you uh, put the rice into water for like 20 minutes ahead of time, uh, and you switch it out, I think. I think you... No, you, you just start not. going. Uh, and it, it makes it stickier. It does? Mm, yeah. Okay. See, no, I was uh, a fool and just dumped it right into the uh, boiling water. Oh, yeah, I guess that works. I don't know. We just put the water in them and started to boil. It's rice. Just get a rice cooker. It's, it's the best thing ever. We don't have one because we're cheap. Um, but if you if you have monies, it's not that expensive. Get a rice cooker. Just put it in. Put it on. You're good to go. You don't have to worry about anything. It's amazing. That does sound amazing. I'm. It makes perfect rice now. all the time, every time. All right, I'm gonna put that on my Amazon wish list. That's what oh, I'm gonna do. That's a good idea. I'm gonna do the same. Yes. Ha. All right, Mitch. Anything else on the social segment before we get out of here? No, it's been uh, it's been a rough week. Not a lot is going on in the NHL or for the Islanders. Um, we talked about the top twenty centers. That was something big on on, um, on social on media Patreon? recently. So we talked about that on Patreon just just yesterday. So if you haven't up, uploaded that from all our patrons, or you're not a patron, get in on it. Yes, absolutely. Make sure patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. So let me get some more plugs in here quick before we get on out of here yep. for the episode. Uh, make sure you're following along with us on social media at eyes on aisles FS on Twitter. My personal Twitter is at Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch's is at TLO Mitch. You could also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. You could download our app, which is available on both iPhone and Android. I don't really think there's any other options about that. Um, you could also visit the website, eyesonisles.com, for all your New York Islanders needs. And wherever you are listening to this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, rate, review. It really helps us out. We appreciate all the love and support from you guys. Even though it's the summer, listenership has still been fantastic, so we really appreciate it, all the love and support. Beauty. You said it perfectly. Thank you. I try. <laughs> Episode 103 in the books. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. We'll talk to you next time. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. 
At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.